Hi, I'm Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and welcome to this special Sunday edition of my Daily Torah Thoughts. Today I want to talk about ritual. We've spoken in the past about Judaism's great ideas, but how does that connect with the sheer detail of Judaism, the complex laws about what we can and can't eat, what we are and we're not allowed to do on Shabbat, what is forbidden, the 613 commandments? Isn't Judaism in danger of losing the wood for the trees, the grand design in the multiplicity of rules and regulations? Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the former chief rabbi of the Great Britain, gives a, an eloquent answer to this. He says that if you look at books like Outliers or Bounce on what makes people great, what is it that some have and the rest of us don't, whether it's in sports or it's in literature or it's in music or it's in science? It's a key question, and there are some fascinating stories on the way to answer it. For example, the book Bounce tells us that there was once a street in Reading that contained more young table tennis champions than the rest of Britain put together. The author was actually one of them. Then there was this Hungarian Lazo Polger who decided that even before getting married, that his children would become chess champions. Eventually, he had three daughters, and they all did become chess-playing stars. So, clearly then, genius can't all be in the genes. There's no reason to suppose that a table tennis gene suddenly appeared in a particular time and in a particular place in Berkshire. The answer turns out to be the neuroscientific equivalent of the old joke. A tourist stops a taxi driver and asks how to get to the Royal Festival Hall, and the taxi driver replies, practice, lady, practice. Which is exactly what champions do. They simply put in more hours than anyone else. Actually, the magic number is 10,000 hours. That roughly 10 years of deep practice is what it takes to reach the top in almost every field. Even Mozart, the classic example of a child prodigy, turns out to confirm the rule. Mozart's father was a considerable musician himself, as well as a dominating parent who forced young Wolfgang Amadeus to practice music constantly from the age of three. Although he achieved brilliance as a performer by the age of six, it was not until his early 20s that he was composing works of genius. Now, what is new in all this is our understanding of the neuroscience involved. Each new skill reconfigures the brain, creating new neutral pathways. It seems that the substance in the brain, I believe it's called myelin, whose function is previously not well understood, wraps itself around these pathways, making the connection speedier the more they're used. The result is that practice makes certain responses immediate and intuitive, bypassing the slow, deliberative circuits in the brain. The more you practice, the less you need to have for conscious thought, kind of like driving. That's why after years of driving, we don't need to think about gear changes or the way we did when we were still learners. 
None of these authors, as far as I know, have applied their findings to religion, but they have huge implications for the very question on ritual. People tend to think that what differentiates religious people from their secular counterparts is that they believe different things. But that's less than half the story. Religious people behave distinctively. They engage in ritual. They do certain things like praying over and over again. Ritual is the religious equivalent of deep practice. All great achievement requires ritual. All great achievement requires ritual. So we understand why. Constant practice creates new neural pathways. It makes certain forms of behavior instinctive. It reconfigures our character so that we are no longer the people we once were. We have engraved into our instincts the way certain strokes are engraved in the minds of tennis champions. Ritual changes the world by changing us. And that's what Moses Maimonides wrote. He wrote, the purpose of most of the commandments is repetition. Repetition creates deeply embedded habits. Prayer engenders gratitude. Daily charitable giving makes us generous. The sexual ethic of Judaism trains us to keep in check our sexual organs, helping us avoid the sexual harassment that wrecks the lives of its victims and brings great careers crashing to the ground. Each of Judaism's thou shall nots teaches us self-control. Even Sigmund Freud, not a fan of religion, recognized the power of Judaism to create the habits of instinctual renunciation, that he saw that as the basis of morality in society. So religious ritual seems to turn out to be deeply in tune with the new neuroscience of human talent, of human personality and the plasticity of the brain. See, Judaism never forgot what science is helping us rediscover. And that is that ritual creates new habits of the heart that can lift us to unexpected greatness. I'm Rabbi Yisrael Bernath. That's my Torah thought for this Sunday. Have a fantastic day. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode.